Are you one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday? Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, The Plant Destroyer. The secret is in the name. Your teacher is Professor Brett Summerall, Chief Scientist at the Australian Institute of Botanical Sciences and from the Royal Botanic Gardens and the Domain Trust in Sydney. He joins us in this year. Good afternoon. Hey, Rich. This is in the name, isn't it? The plant destroyer. Yeah, phytophthora literally is Greek for phyto, for the plant, and thora for destroy, ruin, um, rot away, basically. Yes. So the name says it all. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's a class of mould which most people would, in, in historical terms, one of its most significant impacts was in Ireland, right? Yeah, so it causes a, the, the most um, important, I suppose, species of phytophthora, phytophthora infestans, and again, the name te- tells you all, um, causes a disease called late blight of um, potatoes that also affects um, tomatoes and other members of that um, Solanaceae family. But in sort of 1845 to 1852, um, caused a lot of devastation in, in potato crops throughout Europe, but particularly in Ireland, because they were dependent. It's one of those stories, again, where we have just one type of, of um, potato being grown. It's, there's all sorts of politics in, in that, as well as um, productivity and things. But it was super susceptible to, to late blight. And the crops just failed all over the country. So literally a million people died of, of starvation, partially as a result of, of this disease. And, of course, millions of people um, immigrated all around the world, mm. you know, most famously in, into the USA and Canada, but, but also a lot into Australia and New Zealand and places like that. Okay, so, so a mould connected with why we've got so many glorious Irish people here, right? Exactly, uh, So yes. what, t- tell us more about this class of, of mould. So it's, a, it's what we call an oomycete. So when I went to uni, we, we call, used to call it lower fungi, but it's completely unrelated to, to fungi, more closely related to some forms of green algae and the like. Um, it's, it's a microscopic group of organisms and there's about 90-odd species of, of Phytophthora in Australia. 27, we think, are native, but the rest are all introduced um, invasive introduce pathogens and some of them are not so important as diseases but some of them are really important diseases right across the Australian landscape both in agriculture and in the native environment. The most obvious being what's colloquially called dieback. Yeah, so dieback is a disease that you'll find all over the country and literally the disease um, is accentuated by this death of the of the plant growing in from the tip. So you get gradual dieback and dieback and dieback. And in a lot of species that are quite susceptible, um, the end result is death. And you see quite a lot of devastation right across the, that whole ecosystem. Hmm. Now, it, it, it's not airborne, is it? It's born in the soil. In most cases. Late blight had, a, had an, um, an airborne stage and there's a disease in, in California that has an airborne stage, but everything with all of these dieback pathogens occurs under the ground and that makes it really hard to, to um, attack, to notice, to be able to, to diagnostically there. So it's a microscopic organism. Everything's happening under the ground. Um, the, the ability to detect it early is very, very difficult without doing ex- extensive sort of DNA testing and that sort of uh, techniques that we use now. Okay, and it's basically destroying the the root system and its ability to pump nutrients into the the, the tree or the plant. Yeah, so it's nibbling away at the root system, nibbling away, nibbling away, nibbling away, and moving through the through the, the root system and eventually killing off whole parts of the, of the root system. So the plant can't extract nutrients, really important, but most critically, of course, in the Australian environment, um, it can't extract enough water to keep the plant alive uh, in particular circumstances. So how does it spread from one tree to, to, to another? Uh, it Generally, it's usually slowly, but it has a, 
um, produces what's called a zoospore, and these are tiny little spores, super microscopic, and they have tiny little flagella on the swimming arms, if you like, on the on the end of the of the spore, and this allows the the pathogen to move through the soil, and any time the water moves through the soil. And there's obviously a lot happening now. Um, it pushes the the phytophthora through the soil, moving it from one infected plant to another infected plant quite easily. And we can also play a role in in spreading it around. So any bit of soil, um, particularly wet, muddy soil uh, that can be moved around by us, uh, is a potential way in which the disease, the pathogen, can be moved from one location to another. Animals like pigs can also do that as well. Mm. This is why it's called sometimes a biological bulldozer. Yes, so it's just moving through that, you know, almost like these tiny little bulldozers moving through the environment, killing off the plant, killing off the plant, uh, and that way it's... uh, And and in some places you can actually see the the death front moving down the the slope, particularly when you've got a lot of susceptible species. But it's a biological bulldozer. It kills the plants, and, of course, plants sustain the whole of that ecosystem. And once you have plants being killed, then, of course, you'll have the whole of the the ecosystem, Mm -hmm. all the animals that depend on those plants uh, being adversely affected as well. Okay, I I seem to remember in New England they had a terrible problem with dieback, and it often was that. You'd see the hillside and it would be moving down the hillside, but that's because the impact of the water, I suppose. Yeah, it's the moving through the water and, you know, it gets tied up with all sorts of other syndromes, whether you've got lots of insects come and attack a, a debilitated plant because it, it's not able to function as well, it's not able to defend itself as well, and so you get a combination of all sorts of different effects happening mm. that way. Okay, has that mould always been here? Has dieback always been part of Australian nature? Uh, there are some native species, but generally they're not, they don't cause many problems, but the introduced ones, the bad ones. We think the first detection in, in natural ecosystems was about 1948. There were some detections in agricultural e- ecosystems in, in the 1920s, but the best guess is that it was probably introduced in, in the relatively early... A lot of them were in the relatively early days of the of the colony. Um, most likely the centre of origin, some of the bad ones, like Phytophthora cinnamomy, the cinnamon fungus, um, as we call it, um, its centre of origin is in Indonesia and Borneo, so it's probably, you know, with with the East India Company and places like mm-hmm. that bringing in, you know, citrus plants or, or other types of ornamentals uh, that it was brought in in those, in those situations. Yeah, and we're still suffering from it. What, what can you do about it? It's a really, really difficult one to do. Obviously, the first thing we're doing, um, particularly on, on badly affected species, species that are really adversely affected, is trying to get the seed and the plants into botanic gardens, into our seed banks and those sorts of things, making sure we have the insurance pop- populations. But... Also, there are some chemical treatments, but then, you know, you can't put that across tens of thousands of hectares. It's just not not practical Mm -hmm. at all. Um, One thing that people can do um, is that prevention thing. So just like COVID and, you know, disinfesting your hands before you go into the bush, have 70% metho in a spray bottle in your car. Do your boots, do your packs, do all of those sorts of things so that they're, they're not going to be, there's no chance of you taking the pathogen into the bush or in fact even bringing it out of the bush that's really the best thing that people can do yeah just try not to to spread it uh the other part of it is and you mentioned there's so much water in the system at the moment water water is important so it doesn't tend to affect more arid parts of australia no it requires the modeling suggests over 600 mil of rain a year 
So not really that much in the whole scheme of things. So you don't find it in, in central Australia. It's really more the slopes and coastal regions all around the country. Um, and so that's, that's really a critical thing. It needs water in the soil to be able to reproduce, to spread, um, to infect. So that's, that's a really critical component of the whole biology and ecology of this organism. And, and does it affect all plants and trees? Or, or it's, it, cause some seem to, again, I'm, I'm back to the New England, some species seem to be more vulnerable. Yes, so it doesn't affect. There's, there's variable levels of, of resistance in, in the Australian flora. We generally think there's not been much evolution in terms of being able to adapt to the, the pathogen, but we do find that those species that grow a lot in sandier soils, so in southwest and western Australia, really bad, in Tassie, uh, really quite bad... In New South Wales, it can be variable. Things like grass trees, xanthoreas, are super susceptible. And then, you know, things like the Wallamai pine, for example, is very, very susceptible to the pathogen. Obviously, it's been isolated, and that has no evolutionary capacity to, and not much genetic variability to be able to, to defend itself against this pathogen. So it's really concerning when, when Phytophthora was first detected at the Wallamai pine site. Okay, it's actually been detected at that site, at yes. the, at the, you know, the rather obscure site. Yes, yes, at the the secret location, um, which wasn't clearly wasn't secret to some people who went in there illegally and and unfortunately didn't go through that disinfestation process and transported the pathogen into the Wallamai Pine site. And so we've been battling and working to make sure that uh, uh, we can protect the colony um, as best as possible, but also looking to have insurance populations and then to do um, what we call a translocated population, creating another population away from the pathogen. It didn't take long from the moment that human beings realised they were there to the point that human beings threatened their existence, right? Yeah, people are... Um, there are, <laughs> They're not um, as nice as plants. <laughs> no, no, exactly right, which is a shame, yes. We, we don't all think that, but you're allowed to think that. <laughs> yeah. uh, Brett Summerall, thank you so much. It's a pleasure, Richard. There's a Brett Summerall. Uh, Professor Summerall is the Chief Scientist at the Australian Institute of Botanical Science and the Royal Botanic Gardens and the Domain Trust. His lesson on water mould, the plant destroyer, is, of course, online. You can listen again. Share it, abc.net.au slash sydney. Next week, a lesson from Dr. Grunya Cleary from Chris Bass Bird Club. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday next week. Listener.